Your On The Mark podcast is loading now. The On The Mark podcast is sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company, family-owned dealership since 1915, 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, on Routes 11 and 15 Hummel's Wharf. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On the Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1 800 795 9565 or email on the mark at WKOK.com. Now, here are your hosts for On the Mark. Mark Lawrence and Joe McGranahan. Greetings and welcome on board the WKOK live telephone talk show on the mark. I'm Mark Lawrence. Rob Center is our fabulous producer. You're always the star of the show when you weigh in uh, via our various methods of contacting us. Joe's here. You can contact us at the Sunbury at one eight hundred seven nine five nine. The Sunbury one eight hundred. What's the Sunbury one eight hundred? The Sunbury toll free line for on the mark. The Sunbury Broadcasting Corporation toll free hotline number is one eight hundred seven nine five nine five six five. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Can they email us at on the mark at wkok.com? Yes. How about texting us at 70236? Nope, can't do it. Can't do it. Okay, we've got rid nope, of the text. Nope, it's back up. You can. All right, good deal. <laughs> and is the program still brought to you by the Sunbury Motor Company with two great locations, North 4th Street in Sunbury, which is 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf? It is. It is, okay. They sell Lincolns, <laughs> Kias, Fords. Hyundai's. Hyundai's. Yep. All those great Pre-owned cars. vehicles that are in perfect condition. Got a lot of trucks there, too? Oh, my God. <laughs> it's the Central Susquehanna. One of them got your name on it? Well, one of the Rangers does. <laughs> yeah, it's the Ranger with the six-foot bed and the double cab and the electric rear window and is the sunroof. all alone? Is it the Lone Ranger? <laughs> it is. It's over in the corner. Of the Where's Tonto? Oh, very bad. <laughs> oh. Well, you can put a Tonto cover on the back oh, of a pickup truck. That's but, terrible. But not a well, <laughs> You just asked if my truck is the Lone Ranger. My Come pun on. was better than oh, yours. Uh, clearly, yes. <laughs> yes, the Lone Ranger with its Tonto cover is on the back. <laughs> all right. Well, we got open phones. Call us now, one 800 we enjoyed a call from U.S. Congressman, no, or a visit, a visit from uh, U.S. Congressman Fred Keller yesterday, so maybe you still have some remarks or some comments about his visit. Uh, our text screen got wiped out when we left yesterday. There were some texts there left over, but there's none on the screen today. So if you feel you had an important text there, you'd still like us to address that topic, send us a note, but it shows that there's no text. What happened to them? I don't know. It might have reset overnight or something. This computer wasn't on when I came in this morning. Oh, uh, that could be it. But it, it's still, it's a read-only thing. It should, they should be there somewhere. Well, we do have one email left over that apparently was sent at 1.09 p.m. on the 24th, long after the congressman had departed. But it relates to Trump policy and Right, uh, they Keller. wanted to know, would you please ask Keller what exactly Trump policies are more than riding the already rising economy and, un- and employment? So, What has the president done to help the economy? Well, I think he's done a great deal. Like? Well, like cutting back on some of the regulations and rules that were excessive. That are you know, significantly hurting the environment no, and people now. They were excessive. Hmm. You know, yeah, because you there don't are like s- the environment or people. <laughs> there are some reasonable things we can do to protect the environment. And certainly, you know, we need to be aware of the fact that the environment needs tending. But 
we cannot throw the baby out with the bathwater. The climate denier hates wetlands. He hates riparian buffers. I love buffers. wetlands. Oh, I don't think you do. I do. I yes, love riparian yeah, buffers. Because you could see that there could soon be a developing <laughs> business there. There could be. <laughs> Nothing uh, wrong with that. No, it's uh, uh, okay. So, but anyway, okay. So, but it, it, to stop interrupting you, uh, he has uh, oh, eased back on some business that relate to uh, some regulations that relate to business. So, you think that helps the economy? It does. Uh, what know, else? It, did the, the tariffs... his push to return jobs to America, particularly uh, jobs that relate to manufacturing? Uh, he's lifted the black people's unemployment rate. He's lifted Hispanic people's black unemployment people's. rate. Well, that's what we say. I think today. high tide is raising all ships. No, I think, I think he specifically targeted some of these groups to try and help them out. Okay. You know, so I, I think from a policy standpoint and a governing standpoint, I like what he's done. From a personal standpoint, uh, his behavior leaves a lot to be desired. <laughs> Bob, um, I'd like our audience to help us with that. What has the president done that's helped the economy? And I'm not asking that because I don't think there is anything. I'm asking because I know he has taken steps that but have helped the economy. That. Maybe the tariffs have helped. Uh, right. We've talked about that. We've talked about his, you know, the things he's done to try and improve the military, which is certainly the spending there has helped spur the economy. He's been very careful about trying to take on the Chinese and get fair trade agreements, which certainly benefit everybody in this country. Absolutely. Even the Democrats had to admit that he came up with a better deal on Na- the NAFTA. So, I mean, he's done all those things. Uh, I think foreign, uh, from a foreign policy standpoint, he's done a good job. You know, he's taken on what? Kim Jong-un. Embracing him and listing him as a friend. So what do you do? Should, should we just shoot him? Should we ignore him? No, Is he going to be should... any less dangerous if we ignore the man? No, you shouldn't reward people who, you know, murder their own people if they get out of line. You shouldn't reward them with normalized relations. You, should, you keep them at arm's so length. Should President should. Obama have cut relations with the Chinese, and should he cut relations with the no, Russians? I'm not saying that you shouldn't have any relations with them, but you shouldn't embrace you them. You cut. shouldn't fall in love with them or, and, and call them our greatest friend. When he didn't call them our greatest friend. He has, and he, he says said he, he thought he had a great him. personal relationship. <laughs> he, has a, uh, uh, he has a word for it, a crush or something. That, okay. A, a, Stop a, a bromance. Look, he has look, a bromance with Kim Jong-un. Look at That's what was wrong. happening before he started embracing Kim Jong-un, as you put it. They were firing off rockets all the time into the Sea of Japan. You know, even though he hasn't loosened up their, uh, the, uh, the restrictions that have been placed on them, right, they are that. still behaving better than they did, and I think there's hope They're for They're still future. doing whatever they want, but here's the, here's, here's the rub. The president continues to see the world as he thinks it should be. I mean, he says the economy's better than it has ever been in the history of the nation, which is not true. Correct? That's not true. Well, no, it's not exactly true. Okay, so that's fine. So the president has a vision for things, like when he wakes up, he says, oh, my gosh, uh, Kim Jong-un is no longer murdering his own people. He didn't say that. He's my friend, and I see him as a great ally to the U.S., none of which is completely true. And so the president just sees things as he sees them. That's why I think he gets in trouble with his various lies. And when we went through the State of the Union address, we identified some things that were blatant lies, some that were just stretching the truth or exaggerations or just puffery. You know, most 
much of it was just exaggeration or puffery, but there are a few things he said that just can be verifiably shown to be untrue. But in any event, the president sees things as he sees them, and then he describes them that way. We have this AP fact check. We should, we should read a few of these. AP, of course, has been having a very busy time fact-checking the Democrats who have been on stage and on the president. Where's the one? Uh, oh, yeah, President Trump the other day said uh, on the effects of the estate tax on people inheriting family farms. You know what? They go out and they would borrow a lot of money. They would lose the farms. The number is staggering. Okay, I'm sorry. you got to start up here. Read that whole thing for right, well, let's make This it is one example of, of he just sees things as he sees them. All right. Trump, we've got to get rid of it. No more death tax. No more inheritance tax. No, we got rid of it. He didn't say oh, we, we got, got to get rid of it. Right. He we said we already got rid of it. It's gone. All right. No the more facts, death tax. The fa- facts false. The death tax is still alive. He's referring to the estate tax, also known as the inheritance tax. He didn't get rid of it. In 2017, the tax overhaul doubled the threshold at which the estate tax gets levied. A couple worth less than $22.4 million would avoid the tax. But the increase of the threshold isn't permanent. It's set to expire, set to expire in 2026. Okay. And on the effects of the estate tax... Well, scratch that one. Let's go uh, down to the tariffs one, because we're not going to read too many of these, I presume. Uh, you should see the paragraphs on Bloomberg. <laughs> we'll do some of his fact-checking, too, here shortly. Uh, but let me get down to President Trump on... Uh, there's Elizabeth Warren's right. little lies, yeah, there's too. There's like four pages. So why are you picking on the president when all these other people are lying Because that's who we're talking about. No, we'll go back up to Bloomberg and Warren. I think we should in the interest of fairness, really. Well, there was health health issue. The president uh, was protecting people. I, I wanted the tariff one because on that he... All right. I can't find it. Well... We'll just read this one then. Read that one, and then we'll move on. Well, no, on. I think the one that was more interesting was up here about health. Okay. Uh, here, Trump, we are protecting people with pre-existing conditions. We are trying to get rid of Obamacare. We are trying to get rid of it so we can give you a great health care plan and protect pre-existing conditions. All right, the facts. Not really. People with pre-existing medical problems have health insurance protections because of Obama's health care law. As Trump notes, he is trying to dismantle it. One of Trump's major alternatives to Obama's law, short-term health insurance, doesn't have to cover pre-existing conditions. Meanwhile, his administration has been pressing in court for full repeal of the Obama-era law, including provisions that protect people with pre-existing conditions from health insurance discrimination. But here's what that's ignoring. Yes, the president believes those are the precursors, but whatever he does is going to include pre-existing conditions. You know, what would he say in effect? And this is what I love how the media distorts this stuff. What he's saying is that the current health care plan is not working and we need to change it. But we are going to embrace certain things in that plan and whatever it is we do. Well, this also uh, talks about the fact that uh, the president has health care ideas. He just hasn't been able to implement them. You know, this talks about, of course, he wants to repeal Obamacare in, an, it's in, a, in its entirety, and that would get rid of the pre-existing conditions. But he's been promising all, all along that whatever emerges, pre-existing coverages, would would continue. Well, That's in the rest of these paragraphs here, if you wanted you to listen read the rest. To, uh, did you listen to Gordon Deal's program this morning? A little bit of it, I know yes. it's hard for you to hear because you're so busy doing other things. But he talked about, or they had someone on who was talking about health care and what's necessary going forward, how we balance all this out. And pre-existing conditions is something that the American people support. 
they support keeping your kids on it till they're a little bit older. But the problem with Obamacare is that it created these markets and it put a tax on people, and, and they called it a tax. Otherwise, it would have been illegal. Um, you know, that if you didn't have health care, you had to pay a premium. You had to pay a penalty for not having health care. Mm-hmm. You know, how is that good? How is that in the American interest? If a young person wants to take a chance on their health, they believe they're young and healthy, and they choose not to buy health insurance or participate in any health insurance plan. I did that for a while. Shouldn't that be their right? Should they be forced to buy something they don't want? I've already, <clears throat> excuse me, I've already said all along I didn't think that was right. I didn't think it was fair. But, I, I but think here's the rub. What? Without their participation, the costs are going to go up. And right. that's exactly what's happened. I got that. I understand that. You know, we're having the old Ob- Obamacare argument that we started having right. seven I'm, years ago. Well, it sounds like you forgot it. No. <laughs> Joe, Joe, Joe. Read, the, read this. Mark, this is Mark, the last Mark. Trump fact check. Then we'll Mark. go up to Bloomberg and Warren. On trade, Trump said, if our formerly targeted farmers need additional aid until such time as the trade deals with China, Mexico, Canada, and others fully kick in, that aid will be provided by the federal government, paid for out of the massive tariff money coming into the USA. The facts? That's a flatly false account of where the money from the farm subsidies comes from. It comes from U.S. taxpayers. There is no massive tariff money coming into the country from which the subsidies could be drawn. Since the start of this trade war with China, Trump has been consistently deceptive about who is paying for it. Tariffs are principally paid for by U.S. importers, and those costs are usually passed on to consumers in the form of higher prices for goods. China and other exporters are not cutting the U.S. a check. The money to help farmers hurt by the trade war comes from the U.S. Treasury at the expense of other federal programs and the debt. The nonpartisan Congressional Budget Office says household income takes a hit from the tariffs. It's estimated last year that the tariffs then in play would bring down average inflation-adjusted household income by $580 from 2018 to 2020. What this doesn't say is what the tariffs can do, which are part of a wedge that he's using to to punish China because... But he's taking them on on issues that are important to us. That's fine, and that's okay. I'm just injecting what is actually the facts here. But the bottom line is the president has this vision of the way he thinks the world is. It is not reality-based, but he says it is. He he announces to people that we're getting all this money coming into the Treasury from the tariffs, and we're going to use that to subsidize the farmers who are being hurt by the tariffs. It's a bold-faced lie, but he envisions this money. The, the worst thing, maybe, is that he envisions the tariffs pumping up the Treasury with all this money, when, in fact, that's not what's happening. Well, the money, the massive tariff money coming into the country could be a combination of the economy spurring and taking providing additional <laughs> measures. Describe it as you see it. Well, <laughs> You're as I, bad as he is. I think he has a right to, to exaggerate, as every American president has done. Okay. Name me one who has said, gee, folks, I thought this was going to work out well, but it didn't quite achieve what we wanted. President Obama to... never said anything false. Oh, come on. <laughs> Something about keeping your doctor. Comes like to your mind. doctor, you can keep, keep your doctor. Him. Like your plan, you can keep your plan. Actually, right? I have kept my doctor, strangely enough. Isn't that weird? I've Through got all several of, of them. I still have the same doctors I've had. <laughs> well, they fire you is what happens. I know. They get rid of me. Than, you're on the mark. Hey, how are you this morning? Good. I, I'm wondering about your economy of health care, Joe, particularly. Uh, you just said, what well, if some young person wants to take a chance and not have insurance uh, and uh, 
that would be fine if I remember how you said it. Yes, and Mark agreed with me. And, okay, then both of you have no idea what happens when that young person uh, racks up a half-million-dollar bill because he's been in an accident, and he has no life insurance, or has no insurance. Uh, you realize who pays for that? You do. What? Yes, you do. I mean, somebody's got to pay for that guy to get better. Why? Well, he yeah, made the, the choice. Oh, the person has big bills or whatever. I, I've got to call you on that. Why? Yes, he made the choice. Shouldn't he have to live with his decision? Is this a Catholic thing that if no, come on, make a now stop and think about it. Hurt themselves, you let them lay there and bleed. So you're saying we should force this man to buy health insurance in case he has a bad accident? But what if he no, never I'm, has a bad I'm, accident? No no, no. no, no, I'm not saying that. Yes, I'm you are. Saying we do what every other civilized country in the world does, and that is we provide health care no. for him. Not every civilized else. country does that, Than, unless you consider other countries like Germany not civilized. There are many countries, in fact, the majority of them have some form of insurance and for-profit health care as part of their plan. Yes, they do, but we're not smart enough. You keep telling me that. Fred Keller told me that yesterday. We're too stupid to figure out how they do it efficiently, and they do, and all of the terrible stories you hear from Canada and England, most of those are made up. Oh, really? They can be matched by terrible stories about getting into a hospital and get a doctor in this country with all of our health insurance. So you think everybody should be forced to pay for health insurance whether they want it or not? Yeah. I mean, isn't that what we would do? Should everybody be forced to eat a certain type of meat because it's in our best interest to eat it? Suppose we decide that eating uh, salads was good. We should have. I won't let you do this to me. You do it all the time. You go leading off in some direction. Well, no, you're saying. I think nobody should be allowed to have maple syrup unless everybody has maple syrup. No, no, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying to you is we know it's healthy to eat salads instead of meat. So should we pass a law saying that to preserve your health and cut down costs, everybody must now eat salads. Nobody may eat meats. Uh, uh, Joe, that that just doesn't make any sense at all. I don't know where you get these arguments unless you really secretly listen to Fox all night. Uh, the, uh, but what I'm saying is we do not let people die. If, if you, as a human being, think it's okay to let somebody die because they've made a choice that was stupid, I, I'm not that way. I was brought up in a way to say that everybody should be as healthy as possible, and I should hand help to somebody if I can afford it. All right, then. Thank you so much for calling in. Thanks for setting him straight. I don't think I set him straight. He doesn't listen. No, we're going to have this law that everybody must eat salads from now on. He he can't. Yes, if that's what you heard, Mark is right. You don't have (laughs) beans in your ears. You've got bags in your ears. He's got the fox funnels in his ears still. So. See, Thank you so typical, much, Dan. Typical lefty. Oh. Everything you disagree with them, they call you a name. Oh, I didn't call you a name. <laughs> no, Dan did. I'm only kidding. Oh. Dan, he Dan and I argue all the time. Either. He just said you had bags in your ears. Well, that well, that's calling me a name. It's called me bag ears. Oh, okay. Oh, I like that. <laughs> all right. We'll take a quickie break. We'll invite more comers. Please call us immediately. 1-800-795-9565. That's one 800 795 
When it comes to car buying, there's the, the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really Hello? don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way. The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Talk. They're faint voices in the background, you say. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Welcome back to On the Mark, 1-800-795-9565. That's our toll-free hotline number. Email us at onthemarkatwkok.com or text us at 70236. And our phone lines are open at the moment. We have a, an emailer who says, Really, Mark, I would think by now that to think for one minute that Joe will ever own up to Trump being an admirer of dictators, murderous rulers, etc., is really pie in the sky. Trump admits to being in Entranced by strong rulers, especially Putin. Save your breath. He's a lost cause. Well, pal, <laughs> let me tell you something. Oh, here we go, pal. What, what would you have? What would you have the president of the United States do? Ignore these people? You know, they don't get any less dangerous by ignoring them. They get less dangerous by engaging them, working with them, and trying to get something from them in return for what they want. This has been done by all presidents since the beginning of the country. Thomas Jefferson even negotiated with the Middle uh, Middle East uh, potentates over the uh, the uh, pirates who were what? threatening American shipping back in the early who 1800s. Who from where? Turkey? Or? Tripoli. Oh, the Tripoli okay. pirates. But I mean, we, we've done this forever. We've taken on, tried to take, we've tried first of all to work with them. But let's go back to the 1950s when the CIA used to send somebody down to the South America with a gun and put a bullet in somebody's head. You remember Allende? Mm-hmm. Does that name ring a bell with you? Sure. So should we do that? Should we just shoot them or kill them? <laughs> you know, I think it makes more sense for the president of the United States, if he has to flatter them, to flatter them. If he has to beat them with a stick, he beats them he with a stick. That. Right. We have we did some fact-checking of the president, of course, which uh, AP has turned into a small well, cottage yeah, you, industry. AP is, you know, the fact that oh, we're reading it, it, this AP story... Absolutely pathetic news network. Oh, Joe, 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 Joe. Anyway, uh, just as a courtesy, they do fact check some Democrats. So we're going to do this one. We'll skip so the next Michael one Bloomberg and then go down. Always speaks the truth. What a wonderful man. He should be elected. See, that's bias. <laughs> All right, read that. All right, stop and frisk. Bloomberg. On the stop-and-frisk policing policy when he was New York City mayor, what happened, however, was it got out of control, and when we discovered, I discovered, that we were doing many, many, too many traffic stop-and-frisks, we cut 
75% of them out. That was on the Democratic debate stage last Wednesday. The facts. Bloomberg did not have a sudden crisis of conscience as mayor on stop and frisk, leading to its decline. He began cutting back on the practice under the threat of a class action lawsuit and defended the practice up until a few months ago. In Bloomberg's first 10 years in office, the number of stop and frisk actions increased by nearly 600 percent from when he took office in 2002, reaching a peak of nearly 686,000 stops in 2011. That declined to about 192,000 documented stops in 2013, his final year as mayor. Bloomberg achieved his claim of a 95% cut by cherry-picking the quarterly high point of 203,500 stops in the first quarter of 2012 and comparing that with the 12,485 stops in the last quarter of 2013. I think you get the sense of it, so uh, that uh, he's being... The next one is that he falsely claims that he helped shut down coal plants with the Sierra Club, and in fact, AP says it's really just market forces that are cutting down uh, coal forces. Uh, let's see. President Trump. No, we don't want that. Elizabeth Warren. Okay, read this. This is fact-checking on her and then one on Sanders. All right. Elizabeth Warren on Amy Klobuchar's health plan. It's like a post-it note. Insert plan here, Amy. I looked online at your plan. It's two paragraphs. The facts? That's not true. Klobuchar's health care policies run thousands of words online, addressing coverage, substance abuse, and mental health, prescription drugs, and the elderly. Some of her materials lacks specifics found in the plans of several of her rivals, yet aspects of her agenda are grounded in detailed legislation led or supported by the senator from Minnesota. It's true that Klobuchar's main health policy page devotes two paragraphs to summarizing her way of achieving universal coverage, but that's not the extent of her plan. So, another Elizabeth Warren lie. She's very good at that. If there's a lie to be told, Elizabeth Warren will tell it. I think it just goes down as an exaggeration. But anyway, okay. So, when President Trump does it, it's a lie. When a Democrat does it, it's an exaggeration. No, I said the the president is mostly just guilty of exaggeration. Okay. You know, like when he says he has the best economy. Well, he has one of the top ten economies of all time, but not the best. And then As you, you me, have told me. You want to talk about Sanders now to Pete Buttigieg? I think we should. Let's level, Pete, under your plan, which is a maintenance continuation of the status quo. Warren, Buttigieg's health care plan is not a plan, it's a PowerPoint. The facts, it's more than the status quo and more than a PowerPoint presentation. Buttigieg's plan would cover almost all U.S. citizens and legal residents, even if it's not as far-reaching as the proposals of Sanders and Warren, a Massachusetts senator. So there's more of those, but we won't torture with any more fact-checking. Suffice to say, everybody who wishes to be the next president, including the existing one, lies, is prone to exaggeration. (laughs) You're listening to WKOK Sunbury. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On the Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1-800-795-9565 or email onthemark at wkok.com. Now, here are your hosts for On the Mark, 
Mark Lawrence, and Joe McGranahan. Greetings and welcome on board the WKOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the Mark. I'm Mark Lawrence. Mr. Joe McGranahan is with us. Uh, he is mayor of Shemokin Dam, super ultra-informed, conservative, even in his declining condition. He's still smarter than me on most days, and so we appreciate In what way am I declining, just out of curiosity. Just cognitive, that's all. Physically, you seem fine. I get here every day, don't I? You are able to, right? All right. right. That's correct. So. Then I submit to you my cognitive skills have not completely been depleted. Nope, nope. But like I said, even on a bad day, you're still smarter than me, so we, we appreciate that. What's that, that say about your cognitive skills? Declining. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you'll never catch up to me. Don't worry. All right. So we are enjoying an open phone day. We did some fact-checking about President Trump and read a couple of the Democratic candidates who were running uh, for pre- president. Poor AP. I don't know if they have a separate person doing this or if the reporters are doing it, but every speech, every remark, every debate, they come out with sheets and sheets of fact-checking, and uh, uh, the uh, president and, of course, the Democratic candidates are their favorite targets of <laughs> misstatements. So uh, we would very much appreciate your call about this. So we talked about Obamacare and the health care, and you know, Medicare for all hasn't come up, but we should talk about that. And to that end, we do have some uh, emails that relate to that subject, and plus we have a bunch of texts. So Joe's the reader-in-chief, so we're going to put him to work shortly here. On the Mark is sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company. Please do check them out at sunburymotors.com. Our toll-free line is open. Call us 1-800-795-9565. That's 1-800-795-9565. You can email us at onthemarketwkok.com or text us at 70236. In the news, the former president of Ireland, Mary Robinson, was on the campus of Susquehanna University yesterday talked about climate, uh, her view on climate change being guided by her faith and her love of creation care. She also encouraged students to do as she did as a young person, and that's act against the Catholic Church's beliefs. That's really, I think, what I would like to encourage students, that even if you find you don't agree with certain things, you can still follow your own path, and I hope that will encourage them. President Mary Robinson was the seventh president of Ireland and the nation's first female president, serving from uh, 1990 to 1997. If you have turned on the lights in the central Susquehanna Valley at any time in the past 100 years, you can probably thank PPL. PPL is enjoying its 100th anniversary. Of course, you would remember them as the former Pennsylvania Power and Light Company. Tracy Witter reflected on how far the utility has come with the technology. When you think about today, how we are able to remotely close and open switches, detect outages from a central location through digital technology, whereas in 1920, they were traveling great distances. The utility first started as eight small local utilities that came together to form Pennsylvania Power and Light Company. Do you remember that? No, that's a bit before my time, Mark. (laughs) (laughs) Not that you were there, but the PPL was a consortium of individuals that all I remember is in down, when growing up in Harrisburg, in downtown Harrisburg, they had a big sign downtown that said, Power, Light, and Heat, mm-hmm. PPL. Oh, okay. 
and then they had their office there. Then they closed it up, and I don't know where they went. To celebrate the 100th anniversary, PPL is doing 100 acts of service. A top Pennsylvania lawmaker says the legislature may change Pennsylvania's sweeping four-month-old election law in an effort to avoid a logjam in the mail-in ballots that could extend vote counting in the presidential race for several days afterward. Republican House Majority Leader Brian Cutler says the law may be changed to let county election officials open envelopes that contain mail-in ballots before the polls close at 8 p.m. The new voting law lets any voter mail in a ballot for any reason where the state had previously restricted mail-in ballots to absentee voters who met a narrow set of criteria. And, oh, we talked about this yesterday. Chris Matthews has apologized to Bernie Sanders for using a Nazi analogy to describe his campaign. Even before the MSNBC analyst comparison of Sanders' victory in the Nevada caucus last weekend to the German takeover of France in 1940, the Democrat and his supporters weren't happy with the network. MSNBC is usually friendly territory for liberals. Matthews calls his analogy bad, but the incident is the latest in a string that have led the Sanders team to express discontent with other supposed slights by the network, recalling President Donald Trump's complaints when he hears something he dislikes on Fox News Channel. So they're complaining about MSNBC. But that's what well, MSNBC didn't pick Sanders to be the president. They picked Warren. So it should be interesting to see how they uh, scrutinize the other candidates. Nothing was funnier than a thing somebody posted this morning that said, uh, show this to your liberal friends and they won't laugh again. And it was all the people who predicted Donald Trump would never be president <laughs> and all the, the ways they predicted it. Everybody from Nancy Pelosi to President Obama to Hillary Clinton. I mean, everybody predicted there's no way. And all the pundits, the talking heads, including Chris Matthews, by the way. Well, and it's funny because I was listening to Rush Limbaugh the other day, and he was talking about the fact that there are polls out, uh, you know, reputable polls now that show the president could beat any of these guys hands down and would uh, defeat Bernie Sanders, like, beyond recognition. He shouldn't even run. And then I was watching CNN last night, and, the, and they do a, a poll compilation discussion. They, they look at all the polls. Every single one of those said any one of the Democrats could beat President Trump. Well, I'm like, okay. I think well, if we learned anything from the last election is don't take anything for granted. Well, President Hillary Clinton advises that. That's right. She, so, she's very big on that. Uh, Carl, you're on the mark. Thank you so much for calling in. We are enjoying an open phones Tuesday today, talking about any topic of importance. Yeah, thanks for. <clears throat> oh, excuse me. Thanks for taking my call, Mark. I wanted to uh, call about the Sunbury Community Hospital. Uh, driving by the other day, going to my cabin, which is out in the Snydertown Road, it, it just brought back, you know, the memories of how much that place has helped me and my family and the community there in Sunbury. And I was thinking, why has the Wise family and the Dagenstein Foundation not come on board here and saved that hospital? They give tens of millions of dollars to the Geisinger Hospital. They give millions of dollars to the Lewisburg Hospital. But it just doesn't seem like they want to help out the Sunbury Hospital. And uh, most people might not know this, but the Wises started out just literally blocks away from the hospital, about three blocks away is where the Wise family used to live, and their corporate offices are there in Sunbury. So I, I'd just like to send out an appeal to the, the Wises and the Dagenstein Foundation 
and see if we can't do something and bring that hospital back to life. And I just wanted to get your guys' opinion on that. Well, I, I, you know, I certainly think that local support uh, in some way, shape, or form would certainly have been a very valuable asset in keeping the hospital open. I'm not certain that any one entity could solve the problems that existed. But here's what gets me, is UPMC is a charitable organization. And when right. they came here, Steve Johnson, who's the head of UPMC Susquehanna Sunbury, talked about, and there was a great letter to the editor, I think, or in my, my turn column over the weekend about this, all the promises they made. And then in the end, they say, well, we're closing it down because people made other choices for their health care. Well, that's exactly what they claimed they were here to reverse, to get people to start using Sunbury for their health care. And no, I don't I, think I, they gave it enough time, to be honest with you. No, I agree. I actually switched my Geisinger insurance to UPMC insurance because of the close proximity that the hospital is to my cabin. So I actually went from Geisinger to UPMC for that reason. So, no, I put a lot, of, I put, you know, the onus of blame on UPMC, but I think if we had some corporate donations, like I said, the, the millions and millions of dollars that uh, Degenstein's and the Wises have donated to Geisinger and to Lewisburg, if some of that money could be brought into Sunbury, uh, or, or why not have the Wises and Degenstein's put pressure on Geisinger to come in and take over Sunbury. Well, I was fortunate enough to know Charlie Degenstein. I was in Rotary with him, and I'm, I'm sure were he alive, he would be taking some sort of lead in trying to keep that hospital open. His generosity to medical institutions, Geisinger and others, is extremely well known. I mean, Charlie was a very philanthropic person, and he cared Absolutely. deeply about health care, you know. So I, I'm sure if he were alive today, he would have done something about it. I, I don't know what, but I think he would have done something. Well, first of all, UPMC is a private nonprofit, but they're not a real nonprofit. They're like a Geisinger nonprofit where they make millions and millions and millions of dollars in, in uh, profits, plus they pay their key leaders hundreds of hundreds of thousands of dollars in salary. So it's not a nonprofit like the Sunbury Community Hospital was when you used to look on the wall and it said that, you know, like there's probably a, a, a coral plaque there from when you contributed to one of Sunbury Hospital's campaigns. I know there's a McGranahan plaque there, and of course, Degenstein and Wise would most likely be representative and there. And our owners, the Haddons, right, were the Haddons, extremely generous right. to the so hospital. This is an entirely different entity. This is a not really nonprofit, just like Geisinger is not really nonprofit. They just use that 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 moniker so that they can raise money on their own and you know set their own rates and so on. So UPMC is not a genuine nonprofit but in the first place. So they kinds. wouldn't, they aren't going to give money to a nonprofit that doesn't need it. So that's Mark, the first thing. There are two kinds of nonprofit organizations in the state. If you're a nonprofit, you fall under the same category as every nonprofit. Okay. So if they're a nonprofit, they're a non profit in exactly the same way other nonprofits are nonprofits. Okay, exactly. So you're saying that the Greater Susquehanna Valley United Way that has a budget that now approaches a million dollars, all of which goes out in uh, services and all of which goes into salary, is ex and no salary is more than $50,000, right. is exactly the same as a Geisinger where they're paying their CEO over a million dollars. They have at least a dozen people on the payroll that are paid over a million dollars. Uh, physicians and well, other key players. You. Well, you're not letting me finish. The corporate structure is the same. Uh, 
That's so, what I'm saying. So you're saying that this these nonprofits that are on a very tight budget are the same as a Geisinger, huh? They are from a corporate okay. structure. All right, they, suit they, yourself. They don't have as much money coming in. If Sunbury or if the United Way had as much money coming in as Geisinger does, who knows what they would do? All right. But the corporate structure is the same. Point noted. Uh, Carl, anything else to add? I'll finish your question off here. No, no. I uh, appreciate that I was able to spawn some conversation. <laughs> okay, we got you. But, Thank you so much. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I, I just you know really hope that something can be done because Sunbury needs a hospital. Right. Uh, right. No as argument large there. As Sunbury is to not have a hospital. That's a shame. So you know, hopefully something can be done, and you know. Let's just pray that it happens for everybody down there. Right. It probably will. Thank you so much, Carl. Thanks, Carl. Yeah, I think this idea that uh, you consider UPMC a charitable nonprofit, that we should have some of our key local foundations start sending them big checks, it's just ridiculous because they're not that kind of nonprofit. They weren't making money at Sunbury Hospital. There's no argument there, and, and you would be well familiar with that as a member of their advisory board. But UPMC is not the same on paper, they are, but they're not, in literally speaking, they're not the same kind of a nonprofit as like a local Red Cross chapter around here or a genuine nonprofit that has no fundings or uh, sort of like the Golden Rule organization around here that they might take in $100,000 at the end of the year, and then at the end of the year, they give that much that's out. That's the difference. It's the amount of money they have, Mark. It's, you know, that's the only difference. Right. If, if uh, the Golden Rule Foundation had $25 million, who knows? how they would behave and what they would pay so you're their saying, chief executive. So at the end of the month, you look at your checking account, it has $50 left in what you typically would donate to various charitable organizations. You would be more likely to send that to the UPMC corporate headquarters in Pittsburgh than to send it to mostly months. Well, when UPMC first came here, the first contact I had with them was a guy they sent down from Williamsport to talk about getting a capital campaign started here. They were looking for charitable donations. That makes them exactly the same as the YMCA when it runs a capital campaign right. or the United Way when it helps with a capital campaign. It's the same structure. The difference is the amount of money and resources each has. Right. Now, I see you see it that way. But I think most people with common sense would simply say <laughs> this is not that kind of nonprofit. Their CEO is like $2 million a year salary. I understand he's overseeing a big operation. But why would I donate $50 to a group that gives that much? to individuals. Okay, so that's the first question, why Sunbury right. Community Hospital is not going to, uh, why a, a Wise Markets or a Degenstein Foundation isn't saying, oh my God, we've got to keep this open and start flooding money in. The well, second they're running reason, a capital campaign in Williamsport. They're converting the uh, one of the hospitals to the Hillman Cancer in, Institute. And that is their prerogative. And, I have and, no objection with exactly that. that's exactly the same thing. They're raising money to, to do, do something. So. That doesn't mean they don't have significant resources in other areas. Look, the question was, why isn't Degenstein Foundation pouring money into UPMC to keep him in Sunbury. I'm trying to answer that question, but okay. you won't let me. First of all, they're not a bona fide nonprofit in the same way as other ultra-tight budget nonprofits are around here. Secondly, you don't know that they're not. I, I guarantee you, if that hospital reopens and there's individuals that are working in there, and that, or I should say when it reopens and whatever limited fashion it happens to be, the local foundations are going to kick in. So in answer to Carl's question, how do you know that they're not? working on a solution to that. They're at the table along with the state representatives well, around here and the local groups and the me, United Way and everybody else. Let me stick a word in here. First of all, up until the time UPMC took over, uh, 
Sunbury Community Hospital was owned by a for-profit corporation, two of them actually. The first one, Community Health Systems, and then they spun off a bunch of their smaller local hospitals to a different health care organization. But it was still for-profit. So there was no reason for the charitable organizations or the foundations to give money to Sunbury Hospital. They had gotten out of the habit of doing so. They had made other commitments. But years ago, those foundations did make certain uh, bequests or grants to the hospital. And I think they would have continued to do so had UPMC given them time. But let's face it, when UPMC came in, they're the ones who stated all the wonderful things they were going to do for the hospital. They were going to do a new entrance. They were going to do this. They were going to historic building. Right, tore down historic building. We have to expand. Threw the Hill neighbors out of the building they were in and then gave them other space, which I thought was an unnecessary, unnecessarily bad public relations bit. But I mean, the for-profit corporation spent $6 million to build the new emergency room. They put a lot of money into it. They kept it going. Not UPMC. No. The the Quorum Healthcare was the final owner. But they all put in, CHS and Quorum, put in a lot of money into that hospital and kept it going for years when economic conditions would have dictated that maybe it should be closed. You know, but... Some of the problems that were created were created by the very people who owned the hospital. Well, I think, the, and the third point to this, one is that UPMC is not a typical nonprofit, so Degenstein Foundation is not going to start are. pouring. Okay, so they're the same as everybody. Okay, that's fine. We'll concede that for you since you, you're like the president. You just see things the way that you see them, and there's no reality. No, don't confuse you with the facts. Anyway. Uh, you're trying to create something that doesn't exist. Right. Two types I, of nonprofits. Right, I got you. Okay. Um, the not profitable nonprofit. And the nonprofit, nonprofit. The is other thing is, saying? how do you know that Degenstein Foundation isn't part of the solution that's emerging? They there? may well be. And then, thirdly, keep in mind that people stop going to UPMC Sunbury. This is the biggest part of the bottom line. If people had flooded to UPMC Sunbury, they they would still be open. But the fact is, whatever they were delivering, and I have no idea if it was superlative or substandard or anything in between. People stop going. That you know, I know Carl wants to know that he'll be able to go to that cabin to go to the cabin and know that Sunbury Hospital is still there for him. But the fact is, Carl was the only guy. People stopped going to the hospital. Well, unfortunately, Sunbury had some baggage that they didn't really create. But you know, toward the end, uh, during my time on the board at Sunbury Community Hospital, uh, I know people like Jesse Woodring, the late Jesse Woodring, uh, John Carpenter, Roger Haddon Sr. worked tirelessly to improve the quality of care there, and the quality scores of the hospital were always high. They had the lowest infection rate in the area. They had satisfaction scores that were through the roof. The maternity the, the ward was second to none. The difference <laughs> was that people, you know, it had. Well, my aunt Maud died there 25 years ago, and she didn't get very good care. All that's subjective. You know, that's that's the history. They were trying to overcome that. One of the things that Jesse Woodring, uh, who was a dear friend and I think one of the most wonderful community assets we've ever had around here, realized that the Sunbury Community Hospital, the city of Sunbury, and the Shikalimi School District all got a bad rap they didn't deserve. And Jesse worked very hard to create what he called the, um, uh, I'm trying to think, what the um, not the Fairness Committee, but I, I guess a committee that was justifying the good news from all of these organizations, trying to find a way to bring out the good stuff that was happening in the Shikalimi School District, the city of Sunbury, and at Sunbury Community Hospital. Uh, it was called the Image Committee. 
you know, and Jesse worked very hard to get that going and to reverse the image of all three organizations. Let's face it, Sunbury for years, people have called it Scumbury or they've looked down on the city, and yet there's such great things going on there. I think Mayor Karlovich and the city council have done some wonderful things, and before them, the mayor, I mean, Sunbury, I think, is moving in a positive direction. I think the Shikolimi School District has always been in a positive direction. I think now they're just getting recognition for it. All right, we'll take a quickie break. We'll take your call. Uh, all of our texts and emails relate to health care, so we can flip back to that. We thank Carl for his quick aside. If you have a remark about UPMC Susquehanna Sunbury, they'll be closing at the end of next month, uh, but uh, we would invite you to uh, interject that if you wish. Uh, we got health care, Trump's economy, and uh, Sunbury Hospital on our mind. Call us now, 1-800-795-9565 our telephone number. Joe doesn't get it. Maybe you can answer this question. Is there a difference between a UPMC, multi-billion dollar global corporation, and a local charity, a local nonprofit charity run by local individuals? Yes, the is amount there, of money they have. Is there a difference? Yes, well, the amount of money they have. Joe says it, it's all only dollar signs. There's no other difference. If you know the answer to this question, call us now, 1-800-795-9565. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Mertz family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Welcome back. WKOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the Mark. Call us right now. We're ready to answer the phone. 1-800-795-9565. You can email us at onthemark at WKOK.com. we got four open lines. So we're, uh, Joe does not see any difference between a local $30 a year total budget nonprofit and UPMC, Susqu- UPMC Inc. So if anybody can better describe it. To his, uh, get it in his funnels, let us know. 1 800 795 9565. Have you considered that your funnel may be faulty? Uh, if I ever a saw a faulty basis, funnel, you've got one, brother. Uh, I learn more misinformation <laughs> about the world from you getting through the funnels than I do anyone else. Well, we have lots of texts. One of them says, AP is a worthless leftist news agency, so biased left it's obvious to anyone that cares to read their bilge with an open mind. I tend to agree with that. Really? <laughs> Uh, laughing out loud, Trump uses honey to negotiate rather than vinegar. Gets more done that way. I agree with that. 
And let's see. Oh, yes, Obama never lied. He was pure as the wind-driven snow. Not. Then, <laughs> if a young person has a car accident with no health insurance, that person's car insurance, or if another person caused the accident, their car insurance will pay it. Then, why are you such a big government tyrant supporter? No one uh, no one tha- that goes to a hospital for care is turned away. They are treated and billed. But if they don't collect the money, someone does have to make the money up, whether they do that through other charges or perhaps through charitable donations. Okay, so let's read an AP story. When you, hit, when you get the bilge, sound the bilge horn, okay? Okay. A, a top Pennsylvania lawmaker says the legislature may change Pennsylvania's sweeping four-month-old election law in an effort to avoid a logjam of mail-in ballots that could extend vote counting in the presidential race for days afterward. No bilge, okay. I'm waiting for you to read a story about the president. I oh. didn't say that bilge was in everything. President. I think there is probably. Oh, well, there's, there's, there's always one. <laughs> uh, let's see, Democrats. I don't actually don't see one about the president. The Chris Matthews. Did you think that was biased? Well, I think he was, yes, but I think uh, no, he has AP, the right. No, AP, AP, AP. Oh, AP. Well, no, AP would report what Chris Matthews said and act exactly oh, as he said. Oh, here you go. You would appreciate this. Okay. When we get to the bilge, you okay. tell me, okay? The U.S. Supreme Court will hear a dispute over a Philadelphia Catholic agency that won't place foster children with same-sex couples. The justices will review an appeals court ruling that upheld the city's decision to stop placing children with the Archdiocese of Philadelphia's agency because it would not permit same-sex couples to serve as foster parents. The appeals court ruled the city did not target the agency because of its religious beliefs, but acted only to enforce its own non-discrimination policy in the face of what seemed to be a clear violation. The case will not be argued until the fall. Beep. What seemed to be oh. a clear violation. Up to that point, they were just reporting facts. When they, I have no trouble if they report facts, but it's when they start their editorial comments, like the president, a noted a liar, violation. says so-and-so. That's where I, we went, get into a problem okay. with it. The appeals court ruled the city did not target the agency because of its religious beliefs, but acted only to enforce its own non-discrimination policy in the face of what seemed to be a clear violation. Well, they're quoting what the city is saying here. Not the AP didn't make up the phrase, it seems to be a clear violation. They're using it because the city no. says it. Then they, they need to make that clear. Well, the city is, claims, the city claims that it's a clear violation. Right. When they say it's a clear violation, they're making a statement. They're telling you what to believe. Show me the bilge in this one. Okay, so we'll, <laughs> well, we have we'll, a lot we'll of leave text that one to go here. One, more, one more bilge search, and okay. then we'll be done. With new urgency, Democrats are intensifying their political assault against their party's presidential frontrunner, Bernie Sanders. At the same time, the Vermont senator is looking for a strong performance, maybe even a knockout blow in South Carolina's weekend primary. At least three Democratic candidates, Joe Biden, Pete Buttigieg, and Mike Bloomberg, have reinforced their anti-Sanders rhetoric with paid attack ads. The multi-pronged attack reflects growing concern with Sanders' party that the self-described Democratic Socialist is tightening his grip on the nomination, but is too extreme, extreme to defeat President Donald Trump this fall. Biden still says he'll win South Carolina this weekend. Okay. Where's the bill? They stuck with the facts on that story. Oh, did they? Yeah. Isn't that funny? They, they stuck they with the facts on all these stories except one that's no, we're you out get an to, impasse. No, when you get to the point where they're covering the president and they're they're doing their little thing, which and you and I've 
I told you that one day you read a story. I couldn't. I, the bilge horn would have been going off every three seconds. <laughs> no, I think what the real issue is is that you you've become so conservative and so entrenched in the way you don't recognize objectivity now when it happens because if it doesn't endorse the president, it's leftist mainstream media. True. Tr- no, no, it's very I, true. I disagree with you on that. No, I, I, I think I say I it with seen, all I have adamantness. seen fair stories about the president. What? From time to time on CNN, from time to time. But not AP. There, actually, the other day there was a talking head on MSNBC who I thought was very fair, talking about the president and the way he uh, – How did he get on? Involved. He must have I don't snuck know. in the it back must, door. He, I, I don't think they were too happy with him because he didn't say exactly <laughs> what they wanted him to say. I just threw my pen across the room. <laughs> well, they anyway, hit me ahead. in the head. What, are you getting violent <laughs> no, now? <laughs> no, no, Sorry. Okay, Doug from Lewistown. Fortunately, it glanced right off. <laughs> yeah, well, you asked earlier, what has Trump done to help the economy? I never like to give too much credit or blame on the president for the economy or stock market because it relies on consumer confidence. But one thing Trump has done to help is deregulation, especially in the energy business. That is why, if a socialist like Bernie ever gets elected, look out. The regulations and Taxes alone will make corporations and businesses downsize and even more about this country. It's unbelievable to think that we are at this point where an unapologetic socialist may be the Democratic nominee. That's Doug. Doug and yeah, Lewis that's Doug. perfect. That's exactly what we're looking for. Emails that uh, when Joe and I can say the president has taken actions that have helped the economy, uh, we speak in generalizations. So Joe, Joe had a specific that related to the tariffs or something. But in any event, uh, we'll take Regulation. More, I yeah, agree with right, Doug. regulations. But remember, some regulations have been over-relaxed, so, and those are the ones that relate to the environment. I don't have any specifics in front of me, but I, I think this is uh, uh, something that uh, folks have talked about. But anyway, w- but that's a perfect example of an email we're looking for. If the president has actually done something to help the economy, let us know. Well, Dick weighs in. He says, Joe, Mark, echoing Than, if a person doesn't want to participate paid and purchase health care for their self and family, should we have to care for the children if they go to the hospital for care? I once heard a man call Rush stating that I don't want health care for my family, wife, and five children. Should the children pay for their father's stupidity? Eventually, things happen involving children, doctors, and hospitals. Someone has to pay for the care. Kids have to pay the sins of the father. It's biblical. But here's the difference. Should we pay, in other words, if we're going to say that you don't have to buy health care, you, Mark Lawrence, choose not to buy it because you're young and you're healthy and you don't think you're going to need it. Back in the day. Something terrible happens to you. It's your decision. You made the decision not to get the health care. Why should the rest of us bear that burden? You saved all this money by not paying for health care until, whoa, lo and behold, something terrible has happened to you, and now you need health care. Well, wouldn't I, I? I don't know too much about individuals who don't have any care at all. But if you go to the hospital and you don't have health care... You leave with a massive bill. I mean, you don't pay for it, Joe. You don't pay for it. Now, temporarily and maybe permanently, the hospital has to absorb that. But how do you get billed for that? Well, if I go into the hospital and I have no insurance, they're certainly going to ask me if I can pay the bill. Right. Or at some time present me with the bill. And if you made the decision not to buy health insurance, I would say you're on the hook for that bill. Right. That's what you I'm saying. You made the choice. But in what way does that hurt you? If I go to the hospital and I come out of there with a $200,000 bill. To it get hurts my... me if you don't pay and the hospital has to make up the difference somewhere else. 
Okay. So you know, your fee will go up for something else that you have to do. So let's say, you know, we hear all these horror stories. No person should have their home taken from them because they can't afford a bill. I agree with that. <laughs> I agree with that if I'm the person surprised. had health insurance. But if you made the decision not to buy it to save money and you wind up sick and you have to, you know, endure some horrible outcome because you didn't have insurance, that's not my fault. One eight hundred seven nine five nine five six five. We are talking about. I don't have my pen. I threw it across the room. One eight hundred seven nine five nine five six five is our telephone number. We've been talking about media bias, the Associated Press in general, or in particular, uh, healthcare, Obamacare, President Trump, and fact checking the Democratic presidential candidates, which is uh, the other full time job for AP these days. We'll be right back. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way. The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. love this song. 1-800-795-9565. Two open lines. Two are occupied. Uh, Mike's on the radio talking about uh, news manipulation. Good morning, Mike. You're on the mark. Hey, good morning. Uh, yesterday I was driving in a car, flipping through the radio stations, and I, and I heard reports about Donald Trump installing Rick Grinnell. Okay, he, he was in, They were saying he was installed to be the uh, head of... Uh, DNI, I guess they call it. Right, he's the acting and, uh, head. Acting head, right. And so I went on uh, Twitter and I'm reading about Obama, who Obama appointed the people, all the people that Obama appointed. And I'm wondering why was all the media stations using the word installed when they talked about Rick Grinnell being uh, appointed to be the temporary head, when during the Obama years, Obama always appointed people. Do you, do you think there's a difference in that in the what the message is when uh, you would say he installed a person as opposed to he appointed a person? Do you think that's possible? I think there's a the distinction is that the president uh, President Obama generally appointed new full time people. The president here has appointed a caretaker. If they had used the word caretaker, I wouldn't have much problem with that because he said this guy is temporary and not his final choice. So I think installed is not an inappropriate word. I mean, he he put him in there. He installed him to take the job temporarily until he can come up with a full-time candidate. To a point. Right. Okay. That, that, that's, that's a good distinction, and, and I totally agree with that. And that, that was one of my first reactions to that. And then subsequent to that, I, I got home, and I happened to run across a, an article written by a guy, uh, and, and his position is he believes that the use of artificial intelligence to manipulate people via all the different social media platforms, has, and he testified to Congress about this, that it has the capability of affecting the votes of around 20 to 30 million people. In other words, what I'm saying is 
you can a, a person can be manipulated by using a search engine on Google or any of the other search engines or <clears throat> what they can see on uh, the different uh, media outlets. And, and actually, uh, President Eisenhower kind of warned of this when, when uh, he, he made a speech one time talking about we need to be careful on what we hear and what we listen to and who's presenting it. And that, that's one of my biggest concerns because I, I think you might have even said it, Joe, Donald Trump, no matter what he does positive, it's not going to get much airplay. It's only going to be the negative things that they can smear him with. And I think we're, we're in a dangerous territory between now and November with the, the way the media is presented. And, and it just concerns me. And I, I just wanted to bring that up because, like, Mark, I, I see you as kind of a middle-of-the-road type of person. But the difference between you and many other middle-of-the-road people is you're very informed and take your information from multiple sources and make well-thought-out decisions, and you're not influenced oh, by a couple of posts that pop up on your computer screen. Who, who are you talking about? <laughs> that joke can't stand it. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Mike. What you said is 100% true, so I'll take the compliment, and we have to get another call. But thank you very much for calling in. Yeah, you're thanks, welcome. Mike. I appreciate it. All right. Uh, this is the most informed Mark Lawrence <laughs> answering the phone for Cindy. Good morning. You're on the mark. Yes, you really are very informed, Mark. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I have to agree about that. I'm on a roll here. <laughs> yes, you are. Joe's just shaking well, his head I no. Well, <laughs> to talk about the issue of uh, health care, and I think people don't really understand who pays for it. So if, if you go in the hospital with Medicare, the Medicare, CMS, the agency in the federal government, limits how much the hospital can charge them for the service you, you receive. And... Uh, then where does the hospital, and it's sharp limiting, like 60% of the cost of it. So where then does the hospital make that up, you know? Because it's got supplies, it's got people to pay, and electric bills and water bills and heat bills, and it's got to make the money up somewhere. Well, it turns to private insurance to pay the difference. Now, we also have Medicaid patients going to the hospital, and Medicaid is for poor people. <clears throat> and it is funded by the federal government and by the states in a shared program. And they get paid even less than the, for those patients than they do for the Medicare patients. So same service provided for a Medicare patient, they'll get even less money from the government for that patient for Medicaid. And so where does the hospital make up that difference? Well, nudge, nudge, wink, wink, they turn to private health insurance and cash-paying patients. And I should have said that about the earlier one. If you go in paying cash, of course, you're going to pay the highest possible thing they can charge you because there's nothing controlling how much they charge you. And often, you're purchasing it blind. Can you imagine going into a store to buy a refrigerator and saying, well, okay, load that up, Joe, without ever finding out how much the refrigerator costs? And then you get it home, and it, they're telling you five grand. You should have asked. <laughs> you know, it should have said something. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you mean you don't want to pay five thousand dollars for a refrigerator? So where does the? In the meantime, the private health insurance companies—they know this. They know the government has deliberately pushed all these costs onto them by making the by uh, prompting the hospitals to turn to private health insurance to pay the difference. And. So they're pushing back by making contracts with hospitals that limit how much they'll pay as well, right? And what do they base that contract on? 
Well, guess what? It's on the rate that CMS, the federal government, pays for Medicare patients. The CMS rate. Isn't that interesting? Sometimes the private health insurance says, well, we'll pay you twice the CMS rate. We'll pay you 2.5 times the CMS rate. But nobody's sitting down and saying, oh, you want a tire? A tire costs $200. Nobody's doing that. So what it costs me for a service could be thousands and thousands of dollars difference than what it costs Joe or Mark or anybody else. They haven't established real prices. It's just on the wing. So now the hospitals, and I find this the most fascinating thing, they're pretty unhappy with the whole limiting of their income through these uh, major insurance programs and Medicare and Medicaid. And so now what have they cooked up but observation? So you're not actually admitted. If you were admitted under, and you're a Medicare patient, now the, the cap on how much they can charge kicks in, right? But if you're not admitted and you're a Medicare patient, uh, where's the cap? And so these people are getting, I think they're called them unexpected or... Uh, unforeseen medical bills for thousands of dollars because while they seem to be laying in a bed in a hospital building, they weren't considered admitted, and this is how the hospital reaches back into the patient's pocket. More. Right, and they even, even at Geisinger made a suite of observation bays that <laughs> they, they wheel you in there, they hook you up to all the machines, and you think to yourself, this is an awful small hospital room, but it looks the same. It has a window, and it has all the accoutrements and, you know, the lights and a little restroom for you and chairs for your visitors and so on. Right. But it's not right. a room. It's an observation suite. Exactly. And the other thing you brought up, Mark, which I really believe that the legislators need to deal with this, and, of course, they don't want to because this takes fortitude, intestinal fortitude, shall we say, is the issue of how can nonprofits be paying their uh, administrators millions of dollars a year uh, as an individual paying two and three and four million dollars to an individual who's running that organization i don't believe any nonprofit. if you're nonprofit, which means exempts you from all kinds of tax obligations then you can't you should not be making the heads of your organization should not be paid millions of dollars or any compensation package which adds up to millions of dollars. In fact, I think if you're going to call yourself nonprofit and therefore you get to dodge all these taxes locally, then you should not be able to pay the leaders of your organization more than some amount based on the uh, median income in that region. And I'm willing to hmm. say twice. So okay. Pennsylvania, the median income right now is, I think, $58,000, $60,000. So the head of any nonprofit in Pennsylvania should be limited to no more than $120,000 a year. Now, okay. believe me, the heads of all the universities, the heads of some state agencies are, you know, the heads of the psychiatric hospitals in the state, these are state employees, mind you, who are physicians, are paid over $300,000 a year. Well, look and at, that's their look, pension. Look at the head Over of Geisinger. Over $300,000 oh, That's just year. pension. Oh, dear. Well, look at the head of Geisinger. You know, I don't know what the current doctor is getting, but uh, Dr. Feinberg, million. his whole package was, oh, the new one is a million, too. Well, the old one, it was like $1.1 million in salary and benefits, but the whole package, if you consider, you know, the, the, the golden parachute and everything else, it was a $2 million package. Right. 
in a non-profit. How is that? You can't possibly be non-profitable and generate that kind of money to give to a single individual. So the, the, that's the perversion of this whole system, in my opinion. That's what needs to be addressed. If we're going to allow these organizations to be nonprofit and to exist in our community and sidestep all these tax obligations that any other business has, then they should actually have to be nonprofit, demonstrated by a limitation on compensation for their administration. But, the, but Cindy, let's talk, take a look at that for a minute. Let's say that they don't pay their executives a, a fair and competitive salary. Then they don't get the best qualified people because they'll go somewhere else. So you want well-qualified oh, people Joe, to run these institutions. That was the no, bill. it's I'm not. Sorry. The bill alarm yes, just is. went off. Yes, it is. That's a fallacy that, that paying the highest price gets you the best person. Time and time again we've seen that. The President of the United States has his salary capped. I don't care who it is, President Obama, President, for, what is it, $400,000 a year, I think, right yep, now? Yep, that's right. Thank you, Joe. So does that mean that because we don't pay a million dollars a year, we don't get the best person for the job? Do you really believe if we paid a million dollars a year, we'd get better people to be the president than we do now? I don't don't think that's a fair analogy because there's a difference between being an elected (laughs) official and a a head of a nonprofit that generates millions and millions of dollars in revenue. Look look at the Northumberland County commissioners. The salaries used to be 60-some, and everybody said, oh, no, you don't want to lower it to 30-some because that would mean that we won't get good people anymore. So now we pay 30 some thanks to Vinnie Clausey. So you're saying the guys that are in there now are a bunch of old dogs no, that not shouldn't that be at there? All. They ran for the job knowing what it paid. So exactly. they, they're certainly qualified. Or, you know, they deserve what they get from the standpoint <laughs> that that's what they accepted when they ran for the job. But what I'm saying is someone to hire, to hire a uh, that you hire to run a Geisinger Medical Center has to have a great deal more than just the average run-of-the-mill knowledge. They have to be highly trained, qualified people who could compete for successful employment in any number of profitable organizations and receive much more money. But a million dollars? And if you go there with a stub toe and you don't have your insurance card, they are going to bill you and hound you and call you and they're yeah. going to call the radio right. station. For for the two hundred dollars, right. but they give right. their CEO a million dollars. Come on, yeah. well, should their CEO CEO pay for my stub toe? <clears throat> it would be a nice gesture. <laughs> what are you taking a stub toe to the hospital? Well, for I don't know. I'm just, just trying to because he needed stitches. Because I broke my toe a while right. back, and he knows it, and he thought oh, I stubbed I d- my toe. You didn't know that. I didn't, well, I didn't remember. Well, right. I just want to say one other thing quickly. The truth of it is that if you shop the cost of some of these procedures, you'll find a wide disparity. And if you tell people that you'll pay cash, you'll find an even wider difference oh. in how much. So Geisinger is the most expensive healthcare institution in our area. The most expensive, hands down, no question asked. So if you're going there, you're paying the most. And I'm wondering why. Well, Don't I can come tell you. crying to me because you chose to buy the most expensive steak when you could have bought a much less costly one. And don't ask me to pay for your steak. If you're going to choose the most expensive thing, oh, I, go. you have the right to do that. But okay, then don't well, ask me to pay for it. For I you. can tell you that uh, we used to get a lot of calls after Obamacare went in asking what the cost of health of specific procedure would be. And we always gave them a direct answer to that question. All right. We're going to have to take a break. Thank you so much, Cindy. Thank you so, so much for calling in. Fabulous remarks across the board. I agree with her again. We'll be right back. 
When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Welcome back to the KOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the Mark. The Sunbury Motor Company, fabulous place to visit. Not only do they have pre-owned vehicles that are in perfect condition, have been through a 200-point check and are literally detailed beyond recognition, uh, they also sell brand-new Ford, small cars, big trucks, you name it. If it's a Ford, they got it. And they, even, they don't sell Ford tractors, though, but they could. They could get one for you. Hyundai, of course, that's in the up-and-coming uh, vehicle that is just a super vehicle to own, and uh, they are superlative vehicles that just last a super long time and have affordable prices. Same with the Kia. If you aren't in a Kia, you aren't making the maximum amount out of your dollar as you can with a Kia. The value of the cars plus the givebacks and the takebacks and the, and the returns and the refunds and you name it, Kia is just loving to do business with people. And then we got the Lincoln dealership down there. Ford, Hyundai, Kia and Lincoln. Of course, you know what Lincoln is. That's the nameplate that is the real winner. That's what we're going to put Joe on so he can cruise around in style significantly above the posted legal speed limit in style, and he really wants to do that. So we're going to put him in a Lincoln. Check him out at sunburymotors.com. Are we out of time? My clock says 10 o'clock. Not no, yet. not we yet. Got, okay. Uh, As a small business owner responsible for my own health care, I need to express my total sas- satisfaction with the plan I found on Obamacare. It's been several years since I enrolled, and I am delighted with my coverage, which is not only cost-effective, but I am receiving more and better coverage than previous private policies. Really get tired of folks bashing Obamacare. My only hope is that Trump stops trying to sabotage this great law that benefits many of us who need to purchase health care. All right. To be continued, the president will be not unveiling any additional health care initiatives until after he is reelected. So that kills that. You're listening to News Radio 1070 of the KOK Sunbird of the KOK News Time. It is now 10 o'clock. Time for the Dan Patrick Show.